after being this close to a miracle comeback on Wednesday night. IU was done in late, and the damage they did early on was too much for them to overcome. You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Hoosiers. The internet is playing about as well as IU's defense did in the first half of that one. Apologies for that, but what a bummer of a game. A frustrating game for the Hoosiers on Wednesday night as they fall to Northwestern. We got a lot to talk about on that front. First, though, I want to welcome you guys. Thank you guys for making us your first listen. We are your one and only daily one-stop shop for everything IU Athletics. Man, a lot to talk about in this one. Honestly, I don't even have the outline I normally do because I kind of just wanted to come in here and a little bit of venting, a little bit of just spilling my thoughts out. IU came really damn close on Wednesday night. It was the quintessential tale of two halves for Indiana. Outscored by 19 in the first half. Looked like they wanted nothing to do with being in Evanston. I was going to say Chicago. Same difference. Evanston. And then just completely turned it entirely on its head in the second half. And damn near pulled off a miracle comeback. Like it's a, It was a frustrating ending. There is a lot to talk about. Let's start with the first half. What got IU in that hole anyway? It was a lot of things. It's been a problem the Hoosiers have kind of had of late and that they come out. It, I, I say of late, the slow starts plagued Indiana for a while at the beginning of the season too. But they come out looking, I don't know, lethargic no energy like they don't want to play defense they don't want to play offense it's it's a shorter list to think of the things i you did right uh in the first half defensively they were a mess they were all over the place they didn't like they there was just no focus and intensity on that end of the floor and then offensively there is no way shape or form Trey Jackson Davis should go any half of college basketball with three shot attempts. And that kind of typifies the issue. It was, I, I tweeted this at halftime. Trace cannot have three shot attempts in a half. That falls on Trace. That falls on Mike Woodson. That falls on Jalen Hood Shafino and Tamar Bates, your lead guards. Trey Galloway, you can throw in there. That is a. The whole team is at fault for that for because that is just he's the best one of the best players in the country. He might be the very best player in the country. You can't have three shots. Now, Northwestern was doing a lot to keep the ball out of his hands, largely fouling. We're going to talk about officiating. I hate doing it. It was a mess. I'm trying to keep a PG-13 in this. It was a mess. But you can't blame the officiating for the first half. IU just did not bring it. And honestly, over the whole course of the game, as frustrating as the officiating was, 
there's too many things IU did to shoot itself in the foot. 13 turnovers, whole bunch of them in the first half. Six of them, I'm surprised we had, it felt like we had more than that in the first half. Uh, 13 turnovers, though. You missed five free throws, which doesn't seem like a lot. Two of them were front ends of one and ones. So you can kind of just mark that down as seven free throws. In a game you lose by uh, two points, it's the small margins that are going to be the difference. A lot of people pointed to Mike Woodson's technical, the bench and Mike Woodson. I mean, here's the thing. You can't really cherry pick one thing being the reason IU lost versus another. If I sat here and said, IU lost because Mike Woodson got a technical and the bench got a technical, they hit four free throws at your difference in the game. It's not wrong, but why is that more important than missing your free throws, not playing defense in the first half, not finishing layups, whatever it is, the turnovers, all of that. Why are those technicals more important than any of that? There's a whole bunch of things you can do. I honestly don't blame Mike Woodson for getting the technicals, even if you want to sit here and say it cost IU the game. The Big Ten has been horrible with officiating, and when it feels like Trace Jackson Davis is on the wrong end of that more often than not, this has been many, many, many games uh, coming for him to get that technical. It didn't even happen on a play Trace uh, got fouled on, but it was just kind of this culmination where you can watch back the replay. The sequence was absolutely absurd. The refs missed a clear travel. They then call a technical in the middle of a, or at the beginning of a three-point shot, which you're, is Northwestern should be be upset about that. Uh, Mike Woodson touched an official. That's That's a technical. Like, it's soft, but don't do it. Then to go to the monitor just to confirm you did everything right when you missed the travel anyway. It's just obscene. Um, let's talk about the officiating for a second because that was abysmal. Um, I've said many times, and I really wish, I really don't like talking about officiating. And really, after you lose a game, I hate it. I hate talking about officiating. <sighs> It played such a big role in tonight's game, ma'am. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis was fouled repeatedly in the post. I don't know a conference that hates its players and its best players more than the Big Ten does. It's like they see that Trace Jackson Davis is a super talented player and they want to punish him for that. There were a number of times he was fouled, whether on a shot, whether on a pass, whether receiving the ball, whether driving the ball, they they were just slapping away at him. And it just is allowed, which is absurd. Like, why? The, we're going to get to the NCAA tournament, and it's going to feel like we're playing, like, seventh graders or something because of the way the foul calls are actually going to look and the way competent officials are going to call games. It's going to be night and day. Trace might have like a 20 free throw game in the NCAA tournament because that's how often he's fouled and the Big Ten just does nothing about it. In a game that's decided by two points, yeah, officiating played a role in this one, without a doubt. And 
I say I don't like talking about officiating, but the Big Ten continually makes it a central part of every single game. When's the last time you watched a Big Ten basketball game and thought, yeah, that was officiated well? I can't recall. Like, it's it's gross. <laughs> like, it's not enjoyable basketball. I hate watching games and knowing officials and how they're going to screw up games. We shouldn't. You should not know an official's name. If you're a good official, you are not memorable. And we know officials' names because that's how bad they are. Larry Scarotto, I don't know if I pronounced that right. Everybody knows him when you see him, and you know it's going to be an awful game. That, it's frustrating. Let's take a break here. We'll talk about the second half. We'll talk some individual stats, some guys that shined, all of that fun stuff. Before we do that, let's talk about our sponsors, FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel. America's number one sports book because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Godspeed if you bet on this game tonight. When we last talked, it was a half point spread, so pick them. Uh, I you would have had like seven heart attacks in this game. <laughs> I, I man, I mean, it, it, Vegas was right. This ended up being a close game. It took a long way to get there, but fair play to them. FanDuel though lets you combine bets as well uh, to get bigger payouts with same game parlays. So don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com/lockedon. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Big shout out to you guys for making us your first listen every single day or your first watch uh, after the game as we do our live streams. Make sure you check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Uh, They have all the experts, insiders, coaches, players, Everything you need to know about college basketball available wherever you guys listen to podcasts at YouTube, whatever platform app you guys use, they are available there. Let's talk the second half. What changed? Uh, Well, for one, Northwestern came down to earth shooting three-pointers. I think they hit like six of their first eight or something. They were three of 15 in the second half. They probably did more than coming back down to earth because they were 8 of 33. Uh, But still, I mean, things kind of leveled out in that regard. That was a big thing for the Hoosiers. Um, Part of that was playing better defense. And the Hoosiers did do that as well. And so that was the big change, I thought. Just the effort and intensity on the defensive end. You get stops, and then IU got out in the fast break. It led to some transition threes from Miller Cop. It led to some early offense, whether Race or Trace getting a guy buried in the post or Malik. I thought Malik played well, I thought, tonight. The stats don't really reflect it all that much. 
he had a couple of nice passes and Trace found him and kind of vice versa. Malik played well in that second half. Um, it, it led to a lot of good things for Indiana in this one, getting those stops and getting out, getting going. Uh, that wasn't, they weren't able to do that in the first half. So it was, uh, that was the biggest difference to me. Offensively, you got to the basket more. 22 of the 42 points came in the paint. Uh, they were three of six from three. So not, I mean, they were 0 of five in the first half. I guess you could say they knocked down a couple threes, but it was just better offense. Uh, they handle, they, they realize how to handle the double teams and you saw it multiple times. Uh, Trace would be doubled and that far corner was open and whether it was Miller Cop trying to shoot threes on that far corner, whether it was Trey Galloway catching and attacking the rim, uh, IU did a better job of handling that trace as well. So that led to some makes. I thought the interior passing was another big improvement. Um, trace like brought on the double, and instead of backing out and finding that far corner, he just dumped it off to Race Thompson another a number of times. Excuse me. Race had nine points in the second half alone. He had 13 in the game. It felt like a number of those were just off those little dump-off passes. So that was a big improvement. Um, it's one of those things where if you just kind of get that belief going, then it snowballs positively. I mean, we saw it snowball for Northwestern in the first half. And when you start getting things going and... Uh, putting some game pressure on Northwestern, whether it's the moment, whether it's realizing I was coming back, realizing you're running out of time. How many bad shots did Northwestern take in the second half that IU was taking in the first half? The roles were kind of reversed, and IU benefited from that. The problem was you built the hole way too damn big. 21 points is just... It was a miracle IU tied that game. And the play they tied it on, man... Unbelievable effort. Uh, I'm honestly not even sure. I didn't see the playback. Whoever made the kind of the diving tip from behind to knock the ball loose for the layup, I think it was Galloway, but I, it might have been Miller Cop. I'm honestly not sure. If somebody in the comments knows or remembers, lets me know. I'd appreciate it. But that was a hell of a play, and that kind of typified the effort IU had in the second half that they did not have in the first half. So... Though it was those kind of small things. I mean, Miller Cop also had that play where there's a loose ball. He tips it to Galloway, who drives to the rim, lays it off for Trace, and Trace gets the. I think he was fouled. It was those types of plays IU was making in the second half that they weren't making in the first half. So I don't even. I guess you walk away from this game ultimately like. I don't want to say optimistic, frustrated a little bit. It could have been a lot worse. IU could have given up and they didn't. That second half was very encouraging to see the Hoosiers. They outscored Northwestern 42 to 25 in that second half. You got to do something about these starts. Uh, I mean, they did it against Michigan too. It wasn't nearly as bad, but they kind of dug their way out of that too. I don't know what it is about this team going on the road and uh, struggling, but it happened again on Wednesday, and it cost them. Uh, you can't build a 21-point deficit 
like I said, through a number of ways. I, I see someone in the comments saying the technical costs us. Again, maybe the missed free throws cost us. The zero effort on defense in the first half cost us. The the missed three-pointers, the turnovers. It was a cumulative effect that cost Indiana. So you can point at one thing and say it costs the Hoosiers, and those technicals are the easiest because it's four points you gave away. But, again, I don't blame Mike Woodson for that. Uh, some stats, kind of big picture. Trace Jackson Davis was two assists away from a triple-double. 23-10-8, played 39 minutes, was fouled for all 39 minutes, it felt like. Remarkable stuff from him, man. Race Thompson, he's taken a lot of criticism. He played 25 minutes and was a plus 15. In a game, the Hoosiers had wild, wild swings back and forth. Uh, plus 15 in a game you lose by two. Uh, I say Malik Renew played well. I thought he did, but the plus minus doesn't back that up. He was on the court when IU couldn't do anything in the first half. He played 11 minutes and was a minus 14. So he struggled mightily. Tamar Bates, uh, there's got to be some discussions going on there. He is a wildly different and ineffective player on the road. Just a total negative on the road these last two games against Michigan and Northwestern. 17 minutes was a minus seven, only took two shots. Uh, something's got to change with his approach to road games because if that's how he's playing, then like play CJ Gunn or Caleb Banks or something like it, it's he's just been a complete non-factor in these last two games uh shout out to Jalen Hood Shafino who played better in the second half first half he was three of ten for six points second half he was three of six for seven points he hit the big shot with 35 34 seconds left um to pull IU back within two and set up kind of that layup at the end so hats off to him. He's not afraid of the moment at all. He played all 40 minutes as well. Uh, look, he this this game was kind of an encapsulation of the, sh the, the good and the bad of Jalen. A bad first half, a good second half. But ultimately, it, it, IU just did too much bad as a team than good. Obviously, they lost the game. But... Too big of a hole, too many mistakes, too much sloppiness in the first half. And if you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. Yeah, it, I also didn't even mention, it was a foul. It was a blatant offensive foul on Boo Booey's winner. It was a travel as well. Um, that, more frustration for the officials on that one for just swallowing the whistle. But don't put yourself in a position where the officials can decide the game, I guess, is the ultimate uh, lesson. Uh, frustrating. That one's going to sting for a bit. Uh, I, if, you, if you want some excitement, the IU women's team is in action tomorrow night, Thursday, tonight, for most of you listening to this on the podcast. Let's preview that one. Take a look at Michigan. The Hoosiers are just inches away from clinching a share of the Big Ten title. This is one of their final big hurdles. We'll take a look at that here in just one moment. Indiana Hoosiers travel to Ann Arbor to take on the Michigan Wolverines. 8.30 p.m. Is it the Chrysler Center still is what it's called? I'm not sure what Michigan's arena is called, but 
I think it's a Scott. Is it the Scottenstein Center? I, I I know I looked it up recently. Whatever it is, they're playing in Ann Arbor. It'll be on Big Ten Network. The big thing about this game is the Hoosiers are inches away from clinching a share of the Big Ten title. This is a ranked Michigan team on the road, number 12 Michigan on the road. So this is not going to be an easy game. But a win in this game means that the Hoosiers will go home on Sunday against Purdue in a sold-out assembly hall with a win clinching the share of the Big Ten title. So it kind of works in a couple ways. You don't want to look past this game because if you win out, you're the outright Big Ten champions. No questions, no sharing the title, no nothing. Winning out means beating Iowa in the final game. If you slip up in this one, then you need to win every game. And uh, you're you're actually right. It is a home game. I was looking at Michigan's schedule. Thank you, Scott. It's a home game. It's not in Ann Arbor. It's a home game on uh, on Thursday. So it doesn't matter what their arena is called. They're playing in Assembly Hall, playing at home against Michigan in this one. But regardless, the stakes are all the same. Win this game, beat Purdue. It's a share of the Big Ten title at the very least. Uh, beat uh, Iowa in the finale in Iowa, and you're the outright champions. They did beat uh, Michigan on the road already. I there's a lot going through my head. This is why I typically make notes, but I was so frustrated by the end of that game, I just wanted to jump on here and spill out all my thoughts. And the result is I wasn't ready for this IU-Michigan preview section. The Hoosiers beat Michigan on the road in Ann Arbor earlier this season. It was an impressive victory, 92-83. to Michigan is one of the better scoring uh, offenses in the Big Ten and IU that 83 points is a little deceptive. IU did really well against them defensively in that one. Since that game, Michigan uh, struggled a little, or just that next game they lost to Maryland at Maryland, but then they beat Minnesota, beat Illinois, beat Michigan State, beat Nebraska. Not four of the harder games they've had to play really. Michigan State's a rivalry game. They won that by 10. Illinois, kind of a feisty team, but seems like they've uh, tailed off a little bit late in the season. Minnesota and Nebraska. Nebraska was supposed to be a good team this year, and they, they Michigan beat them by five. Nebraska hasn't been what I think a lot of people expected them to be, and then Minnesota is bottom of the Big Ten. So uh, Michigan heads into this game with a 20-5 and record, but 10-4 and in Big Ten play. But like I was saying, switch just kind of the location of the game and the Hoosiers win these next two home games and you're, you have a share of the Big Ten title. Looking back to that last game, McKenzie Holmes had 25 points. Sarah Scalia had 19 off the bench. Those were your two stars in the last game for the Hoosiers. See if they have big nights again. Leah Brown, I think it was a career-high 31 she scored in the last game. She's a, a jack-of-all-trades, but uh, has really picked up the scoring this season. We'll see if she's able to um, kind of drag the Wolverines along in this one. We'll be live after that game. Hopefully, it won't be as dramatic, it won't be as frustrating, and it'll be a lot more celebration as we inch closer to a Big Ten title. Big thanks to all of you who tuned in after this game. I know it was frustrating. I, I wish I had more optimistic outlooks. I mean, Northwestern is a tournament team, 
and they are one of the better Big Ten teams. This was for sole possession in the Big Ten. Uh, outside of that, it, it was a frustrating way this game played out, played out. Excuse me. So I don't have a lot more optimism. Maybe we'll have a little bit more tomorrow after that one, but or after we have a day to re- kind of think about it. But right now, it's just frustration. So shake it off. Let's watch the the Hoosiers play Michigan tonight on Thursday. And celebrate a really good team. Uh, a team that hasn't... I, I don't want to jinx myself. The women's team doesn't have first halves like the men's team does. So I don't want to jinx it. And then the women's team come out and look awful in the first half. But uh, the women's team doesn't typically do that. So if you want 40 minutes of, of constant high intensity... I won't say 40 minutes. They're usually winning by so much at the end. The bench is cleared. So like 35 minutes of high intensity, then tune into the women tonight. We'll be live after that game. Big thanks to all of you who made us your first listen. Make sure you check out Locked On College Basketball. Isaac Shade, Andy Patton, bring you guys everything you need to know. Uh, insiders, experts, coaches, players, you know the deal. Available on YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts at. As always, make sure you're subscribed on YouTube so you can join these live shows. Follow us on Twitter. You can see when we go live, all of that great stuff. Most importantly, though, guys, again, shake this one off. Uh, We'll be back at him soon enough. (laughs) Uh, Go Hoosiers tonight. And as always, LEO.